0: Hello, and welcome to Sister Love Good People. We are in the middle of March, and for those who celebrate, happy St. Patrick's to you, Uh, For those who don't celebrate, please don't pinch our our friends. Let's ask for consent and be nice and just wave. We are still in a pandemic, friends. This is a red a rainbow with you. I've got a special guest that I've been dying to get on here. Oh, my gosh. So I have a colleague and a friend named Chelsea. She does amazing work. She's a consultant. Um, She's really been building her brand over the last few years. Um, but one of the great things I love about Chelsea, um, she gives it to you raw, but not that irresponsible, ooh, I'm emotionally dumping and venting raw. That raw where it's like, be who you say you're going to be. Be congruent. If we say uh, stop the predators, then stop the predators. If we say we're going to self-love, then let's self-love. So I've had the pleasure and the honor of following um, some of Chelsea's different commentaries. She's hosted various discussions on, online um, and some of her branding efforts. And a lot of it has to do with the celebration, the protection, and the honoring of Black women-identified folks, but just um, the Black community in general and being honest about some intergenerational stuff that we've allowed, we've disallowed, and like, where are we going from here? So I thought it might be good time to have Chelsea come on and talk with us about this whole idea of hood feminism for you all that don't know look her up mickey kendall has a book called hood feminism uh, she recently actually was a keynote speaker for one of the associations i'm connected to and it was such a divine uh, moment to have her walking through some of the ins and outs of how we navigate space as people but then definitely as a collective what does it mean to really show up for persons of color especially black people um This conversation is going to be robust. Um, And when I say robust, if you are easily offended, this is probably not your conversation. Um, And that means a good conversation. This conversation is really meant to get you to thinking Um, and to get clear about what do you stand for, what you don't stand for, and what you have questions about. So just like any other episode that we provide, it's supposed to be thought-provoking. Um, not just controversial or anything like that. It's a good way to have conversations with your colleagues, with your loved ones, with your friends, uh, with people that you regularly interface or people who you trust to have some deep and profound conversations because this is our lives and we're all here to try to help each other push towards a greater quality of life. So anyway, without further ado, um, Chelsea, take it away. Tell the people a little bit about yourself um and then we'll get into this hood feminism
1: sure so my name is chelsea and as you shared i am a coach and a consultant my business is well Watered coaching and consulting and my goal is just to nurture and support black women so that they center and prioritize themselves because when you are a well-watered woman and you honor yourself first. You can then honor and support other people. And I just believe that we are like a garden. And once you can like pour into yourself, water your garden, and like tend to your own garden and feed your seeds, you can help yourself reap the harvest and feed and grow in abundance and kind of help the generations. So that's where the concept comes from. And I'm just here to kind of Help lead the people. Now, the people don't always want to listen, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can't save everybody, and that's all right. I'm just going to save those who are willingly um, going to participate, and if you resist them, then, hey, I just move along, and that's how I'm here. Thankfully, you know, you you felt me you weren't resistant, and now we just here having this conversation.
0: There it is. And speaking of conversations, I think one of my favorite um, conversations I've seen you had, you were rebooting the Well Water Coaching, and it was around your birthday, 2020. Um, and you, you, I think you did something like six to eight minutes, and it was almost like a reflection. Um, and you posted up on yes. IG. And don't know if you want to go into it, but like you dropped some gems about how you had been evolving in yourself. So maybe like kind of give people a glimpse of like, you know, what was that reflection about? And then two, like, what do you credit towards like the evolution that you were talking about in that reflection? Because as I was listening, I was just like, see, this is somebody who's went and and did their own work, but then now they're back and they're willing to share like some of the things that work for them with other people. And that's like what made me start following your brand.
1: Well, actually, like I come off a summer of a bunch of BS. Mm -hmm. That's really what it was. And you get to a point in your life where you get tired of doing the same stuff over and over and expecting different results, but the results you're constantly getting is a bunch of crap. Right. And you have to kind of ask yourself what are the reoccurring patterns in your life? And what do you want to do differently or like, what are the different outcomes you want to have? And that's kind of where I was. And I was never a person to like blame other people Mm -hmm. for anything. I'm actually very self-reflective, but I recognize that a lot of people aren't. So um, being that I was very self-reflective, I really had to sit down and see like, what am I not doing right? Or what do I want to avoid next time? Because I had reached a point where I not only had conflicts in dating, but conflicts in friends and family and all of that. So it was like all at once. I never really had issues that come up all at once. So just to see what it was. And I learned that it was really an issue with boundaries. And I kind of understood like, you know, i have to do something differently because people wouldn't be able to do this or I wouldn't be in this predicament if there were no lack of boundaries. Right. So, as i was driving home um driving home to see family for my birthday um i listened to janet jackson in the car because i love her This <laughs> to janet jackson and control came on
0: how did i know it was that song
1: <laughs> that's my song so i told myself like this year is going to be the year of control for me like whatever happens in my life it's because i have Made it happen or I have allowed it to happen, but life isn't just going to happen to me anymore. Right. So from that moment on, like, I was very intentional from setting boundaries, but also like having conversations with my therapist about different things. In fact, I got a new therapist. Come on. Because I wasn't even satisfied with the service I was getting. And it wasn't that she was bad. Uh It was just that I didn't think that I was going to be able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish with her. Uh So I, was, I just did a complete overhaul and i did a reflection of what i wanted how i was showing up what i needed from other people and what i needed for myself as well because i can't have all these expectations from other people if i'm not you know rising to the occasion as well like i can't demand something from other people if i'm not even going to meet them halfway nice. so when i did that um that's when things just started to change for me and i had to one of the things I did, I think a video I did after that was get down to who I wanted to be and what mattered to me the most. There's some things you always have had inside of you. Um, and For me, that was my values. Mm-hmm. So just trying to understand like, what are my, value, my core values and how have they always shown up and how do I want to make them be more prevalent in my life and just understand that something has to be different. So for a lot of black women. It goes back to how we're socialized, like uh-huh. no matter what our income status is, what country or ethnic background we may come from, none of that matters. We are all socialized to save everybody else, do for everybody else, help, do all these things. We're all socialized to be that way. Uh-huh. So I just decided for myself, like, I no longer want to be that way. And this is what I wanna to do to stop that. And like the balance was the first thing because I, I recognize I'm not as bad as other people, especially because I'm not like the oldest sibling. It's especially worse for people like that or like I'm not the only one. Um, I'm not the oldest sibling. I'm not the one that's like financially well off of the sibling group. So it's very nuanced. However, um, I just looked at ways that this shows up in my life and I recognize I need to do less so other people around me can do more. Because as long as I play Mrs. Fix-It, as long as I'm volunteering to help, be it at work, with friend groups or whatever, people want not allow you to do that. Right. So it's kind of like, even in dating relationships, like I see online so much where women are always talking about, I want a partner and I want to be able to, you know, we can make decisions together and blah, blah, blah. No, ma'am. I don't want that. Everybody has their own attitude to whatever they want to do in their relationship. Right. But me, I don't want, no, I don't even want anything. People always say, well, women want equality. I don't want no equality. I want equity. That's the difference between me and a lot of people. Because you have privilege as a man that I don't have as a woman, I want equity. So therefore, because you have more power and privilege, you need to learn how to use it and step up in that leadership and work your magic to do what you do. So that's just how all of that came about.
0: Listen, I can dig it, and I appreciate it. You hit on some really, really key things um, that, you know, last night, I actually, I was trying to get a couple of things done. I was tweaking um, my resume, and... I had um, I hadn't watched it in a while, but I had Sex and the City to the movie on, and I had told I knew I had watched it, but anyway, it had passed me, and so I was like, let me have this on the background while I'm tweaking this resume or whatever. But like as you started talking about what you're looking for and how you got clear on what you need to do, it made me think about that movie in different parts where. How when one character, so like if Carrie was saying, yes, I have an apartment, because sometimes me and Big need to be able to get away from each other. Then other people were gasping and that doesn't work well in marriage. And she would correct and say that may not work well for you, but it worked well for me. Or when somebody was trying to fangirl her. And then they realized she was she was opting out of having children. That person was out of breath and, and big kind of slid in and kind of waved the conversation off because he could tell the person that was trying to fangirl didn't know where to pick up the pieces once they find out their idol wasn't trying to have any children. So it just, for me, it I think it's the same of I was appreciative of hearing you come into your own in that reflection, just like how you're... Um, narrating it now, I think we all have to give each other space to come into our own. Um If you're one of those people that want to go half and half, hey, kudos to you. I, am, I tell people I'm old school, but I'm not. For me, respect is important. I know that I make enough and I do enough that I know if another person don't buy my meal, I'm good. But if you're going to date me and you're going to use my time and you're going to use my energy, yes, you're going to pay for a meal. That's what I require. It's just like a job. It's just like applying for a job. Some jobs make you put in a cover letter or a resume. Some jobs only want a uh, resume. Some jobs just connect your LinkedIn profile and you're done. Um, I think different strokes for different folks, but I think the world is big enough. And I say this because I want to push on us as black women. We don't have to hustle for our worth, and that's a lot of what I get from Chelsea. And it's not just the Brene Brown version of that. It's so uh, when we talk about hustling for our worth, we be scared to get housekeepers, we be scared to get drivers, we be scared to get chefs. Maybe not me. Well, listen. I want to listen i'm naming them because i'm in that place you know these are the conversations i have with folks of so i i don't have not one child and yes i'm so exhausted when i get home that yeah i already know like my next step wherever i end up living or doing or being yeah i'm gonna have some services because i need my time back um if, if it's in enough distance, will I catch a lift in a heartbeat? I don't need to be out here fussing and cussing and acting a fool with y'all. Like if we're dating, I need somebody. If I'm supposed to be your relief, then you got to be my relief too. And relief may look different for me based as a woman than that man. But I think, again, going back to the as a women community, if somebody says something and that's not your tea, then it's not your tea. You drink peach tea, they drink raspberry tea it's still tea. Respect somebody else's tea, but don't feel the need to try to put us all back in the same box. Because I noticed um, when some of us younger generations, and I'm a Gen X, I don't really consider myself a younger generation. But I noticed sometimes when we start talking about this stuff, and it's historical. And I know there was a point in my life where somebody would be like, oh, you got a nanny? What you got a nanny for? You can't watch your own kids? Like, That's where I was then. Oh, I'm so not there now. If you need a nanny to watch your kids, hey, do what you got to do. I'm I'm not having kids. So, But if you need nanny for your kids, hey, better is greater. Do what you got to do for yourself. I understand. Even if I don't understand, it's none of my business. Do what you need to do for yourself. I want us as Black women not to always be operating from a place of lack and fear of abundance. It's okay if your lifestyle precludes that you need to do something different that maybe your Nana didn't do, your grandma didn't do, your mama didn't do, and your cousins can't do. It's okay. You don't have to do what you see other people do just to survive and make it. And I think that's some of the stuff that listeners tune in. Like You might want to lean a little closer to however you're listening to this podcast because I keep my gloves off and I don't even think Chelsea own gloves when it comes to just shooting straight, when it comes to like expanding our horizons about what does equity look for like for us? What does support look like for us? Um, and so again, you're always gonna hear me say as we start pushing the envelope on some of these thoughts, hey, let's not tell each other who you can't have that because what? Because you uncomfortable with it. Those are your boundaries, that's your comfort level. Be be blessed, be blessed.
1: Well, you know what? It- strange thing is that is feminism for so long and that's what i really love about mickey kendall's book now granted the whole book i believe the intention of the book was to call out white women and set the record straight that feminism isn't about white women because you will meet a lot of black women and women of color who will say that they don't subscribe to white women i mean they don't subscribe to feminism because it seems like it's anti-male and that's because those type of women are male-centered.
0: Yeah.
1: However, a lot of writing about feminism is like what it means to be a feminist, or like, you know, it's just what it means to be a feminist. That's really what, it, what a lot of mainstream writing is about. Whereas with Black feminist thought, that is not what it's about. Um, it's, it, Like her book, Her book focuses on basic needs as a feminist issue, and if your basic need is to have help in your household or to have um, have your your than your needs met, Mm -hmm. then that's your business. And like you said, that may not be your cup of tea, and we need to be be okay with that and not say it must be nice. Oh, or or not say that. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do X, Y, and Z. Like, I literally stopped dating this guy because he just scoffed at the thought that I had made service. And if you can scoff at that and find issue with it, that means that you won't provide it for me. And I don't have no reason to be dealing with no man who won't provide something. I'm already providing for myself. Because we're not going to argue about it, sweetheart. That's a non-negotiable. Now, that's just me. Now, if you want to date a woman who cleans her own home and she ain't getting a maid service because she feels like she don't want to have one or she don't want to pay for one or whatever the case may be as to why she ain't getting it. You can do that. But as for me, if you're going to date me, my expectation is that I'm still going to have this maid service. And if you're dating me, you'll be then covering the cost for this maid service. That's just me. But it's like, I know what I need to run my household. And like I said, when we first started, my, started the uh, the conversation, I am now looking for another service. So it's just like, that's what's for me. And in fact, I was out for brunch um, earlier this week. One of my friends, and she was like, um, the, the bathroom for the place was like in the basement. And she had to go down the elevator or she could have taken the steps. Okay. She, she was like, oh, I don't want to take the elevator. That's so lazy. I said, girl, you're a black woman. Take any convenience, and it's like they don't give you because we don't get much.
0: And Paul, but why are we so afraid of convenience? Why are we so afraid to just rest, get a little comfort?
1: Literally, I said, there's nobody there with, um, with crutches or a wheelchair. That's the only time you need to feel bad about that. And even then, y'all can fit in there together. But we have this guilt, it's like, because we carry this expectation and this burden to always work, to always go hard. And that's not, I truly believe that our ancestors did not want that for us. I truly believe that in my spirit, like, as I am growing in my spirituality as a Black woman, as I am connecting and all of that, I do not believe that they wanted us now there's a standard of cleanliness I do believe that but I do not believe that they wanted us to work our bodies this hard I
0: don't they, believe that they didn't because they did that for us they had the sacrifice for us I think what it is for me as I who? Try, try, you know, I'm you know the conversation that we haven't even talked about, and I'm trying not to even go down that road because that's a whole hour by itself. Um, this whole idea of compensating, it's the white supremacy of it all. Nobody reinforced enough love to pass through the generations that sounds like acceptance. We're so used to having to be the exception too. We're so used to proving something. We're so used to something going lack or coming from a deficit. We won't. Even when there's no need for it in the home, we won't let up. And that, I mean, we're, it's worldwide. There's not too many places where a child or a Black woman can really feel safe because you either got to work, you got to prove, you got to carry. The human body and mind and spirit wasn't built for that. It, mm-hmm. it just wasn't. And Chelsea, you, um, before we get into the hood feminism, um, you touched on birth order and you touched on mental health. Um, how have you navigated that within your circles? Um, I know you're a huge advocate for mental health um, as this platform is as well, but I know you've had some pointed conversations about mental health and, you know, what does it actually mean to support people who are wrestling with things that they need assistance for? You know,
1: it is... It's, it's, it's vague and complex at the same time, and it's nuanced. Like I was just having a conversation with one of my friends the other day, and I was saying how, and I was made a post on Facebook about it today, but I was saying how sometimes I stop and think about how some of our parents, namely our mothers, were dealing with Mental health issues that they had no knowledge of, mm. and they were—they were just going through it. Mm-hmm. They were living life through it, trying to raise their children, mm-hmm. and we, their children, and society label them as bad parents. Mm. And some of their children are still carrying that pain and that hurt, and haven't forgiven them, and some of these parents have yet to receive help because, you know, after so, while, after so long, you ain't going to get help. Right. You ain't changing. You set in your ways. And it's like, some of our parents have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Some of them have autism. Some of them are on these different spectrums or they have, um, depression and all these different things that was never treated. And as we, the next generation, go and get help. Cause some of this stuff is through the bloodline. Some of this stuff is hereditary. Mm-hmm. It ain't came out of thin air. So, but the thing about the human body is the human body's gonna naturally cope. It's just all about how you do it. So everybody has to cope in some type of way. That's why you've seen people get, you know, have alcohol issues maybe. Some people have shopping issues, some people, uh parents are hoarders, they hold on to stuff. Like, people have coped in different ways that don't realize it and recognize there's a coping issue. So, with that in mind, as we, as the next generation from our parents, um, have began to get more into uh, seek mental health and seek, uh, sure. get help from professionals, it amazes me how we can see that some of us have had some issues that we grew up with for a little while before getting a therapist or a psychiatrist. But we have not connected the dot in the fact that maybe our parents have dealt with the same thing and that we need to forgive them for that to get to the next phase in our
0: processes. How do we meet in the middle with that? Um, And here's where I'm going with my question. I think you got the group that you're talking about. Like, hey, have you taken a step back and empathetically realized that the same way you're realizing what you're realizing, your parent hasn't gotten there or may not get to there, right? How do we navigate the parents who maybe they know they need help, maybe they don't know they need help. Maybe they are going to go get help, maybe they won't go get help. you got the parent who is harmed, probably generationally they repeating what they know. And then you've got the child who's been harmed but is getting help, but also has to process, they gotta go through the grief. They gotta grieve who they what they thought it should have been. They gotta grieve, you know, their guttural reactions, their feelings, and, and get to a healthier, safe place when it's their time. But how do both of those groups meet in the middle? Because neither one of the groups can give the other person what they need.
1: I think it's a matter of managing expectations. Good point. Because you can't can't expect anything from anyone that they're not able to give. Facts. And that's what it all boils down to. Like You're going to be forever disappointed if you're expecting mommy and daddy to love you or do certain things that they're not even capable of doing when they lack the knowledge. And you can't teach them if you're not the professional to do it. Or, like, not even being a professional to do it. You're not in the emotional or psychological space to teach them.
0: Or I'm going to come from a spiritual lens. Maybe you're not called. Maybe that's not your role. That's true. Maybe somebody else has to deposit that. You know, maybe the seed is there. Maybe you might be the catalyst or the seed. But maybe somebody else has to water. Because that's a lot of vulnerability that they've got to let go of. Um... You know, I go back to when you said managing expectations and boundaries. If you're coming in that space and you're the one that's seeking out services and you as you get healthy. I had a mentor say this a long time ago and I will never forget it. But she used to tell me, you can't carry your family. She said, your family, you can't carry your family. She said, what you going to do? She said, but you're modeling the way, Coretta, keep doing the work because they're going to learn what to do by seeing what you're dropping off, what you're letting go, what you're not entertaining anymore, it'll influence the people around you. They'll either get with it or they'll have a problem with it and they won't get with it. But either way, you'll still be in a better place than where you were when you had no boundaries. And sometimes that's the teaching. We all have been there. We've all seen a friend or a loved one kind of move a little different. You're like, oh, my bad. you it ain't, but you, but we, if you got the right heart, you know it's not a dig at you. That's what that person needs now. And if you're a really good person, and I don't mean good versus bad, but like if you're a genuine friend or a, a person that loves that person, you find a way to adjust and support. That's like if somebody, you know, cut sugar out of their diet for health reasons um, and and they need to really do that, you wouldn't drink around them and eat a whole bunch of sweets around them. You would probably adjust like when you're in their presence, you may move a little different um, just because they need that adjustment. Now, you may continue your lifestyle when you're not around them, or you may say, you know what? I, I might not always get a dessert. I'm still going to eat my dessert, but I'm not going to always get one. Come on, person influence. That's that's a perfect analogy, actually. Perfect
1: analogy. Perfect. That's, that's absolutely it. People don't bring this to you when they know you ain't trying to receive it.
0: Speak that word.
1: When they know you ain't trying to receive it. because it's, it's just like a food allergy. Because they ain't got to do it. They ain't got to do it. Like how you just said, when they around you. But like, if they're bringing you something. Okay, well, I made these for everybody else, but this one is made for you. That's it? Because they care. And they they mindful. I want you to be included, but I know you can't have this thing, so I I made this one without that thing in it.
0: And that is it. Hello, 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 friends. Welcome back to Sister Love. This is Retta Rainbow with Chelsea here. Um, We are on segment two of our discussion on hood feminism. We are all the way in there. Chelsea wrapped us up with the first segment on the word mindful, uh, as in mindfulness. We were talking about um, how do people meet in the middle thinking about um when there's harm in a relationship? So, in the example we were talking through, uh, you may have had a parent who may be suffering from different things that they haven't had treatment or received support for, but then that child or the offspring may be in the process of developing some support or a regimen. they're getting healthier, becoming healthier, and some of that comes to a head. And Chelsea was leading us through a discussion of managing expectations. Um, that child can't heal that parent, and that parent may need some things that have to come from other sources. And by managing our expectations, we don't lay shame and guilt and anger and resentment um, on people either unknowingly or unnecessarily. And just inserting, when we say unknowingly, unnecessarily, we're not trying to judge people um, people of color, especially Black women, feel your emotions. Um, I don't talk about this often, but like I too am navigating my own um, therapeutic services, and I'm doing ABCs of learning how to feel feelings. We go through life holding air, holding stomachs, holding, waiting for the the next brick to fall out of the sky. Feel your feelings. We are not saying don't feel your feelings. We are saying be realistic with your expectations. You're working on your healing, but other people may not be working on theirs. You are learning about ABC. Some people don't even have a roadmap with ABC on it. So be mindful of other people's journeys intersecting with yours and don't try to change other people because people gave you grace when you were out here in the world. Didn't know that you were probably harming people yourself. So welcome, welcome, welcome. But anyway, Chelsea, you said a
1: whole lot right there. Did cry, I y'all. just cry? <laughs> just cry, okay. So people gonna keep thinking that we don't cry and
0: that we invincible, and I'm tired of that.
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> And tell them if you don't trust them, we don't trust
0: them. Because life is hard already. D- Chelsea, what? <laughs> you, when I tell you I have been going through, I'm sitting here, grown woman with a counseling background who didn't know she skipped a developmental step. There's a good chance I learned in my mama's womb how to skip feelings. Because of all the trauma she was navigating. Mm -hmm. All the trauma that I was hearing. We talked about in my therapy, like the development happens as soon as the embryo. You ain't developing when you pop out of your mama and you start to learn how to crawl. No, development don't start that late in the game. Mm -hmm. So if your mama got anguish, and we tell mothers this all the time. If you're stressed, that baby's stressed. If you're going through anguish, that baby's going through anguish. So we teaching trauma in the womb. Wow. If mama around here in these wrong relationships, and I'm not blaming mama, but let's be clear. Ooh, come on, 70s. Come on. I got Gorilla Zoe in the back of my head, mixed with hood feminism. Um. <laughs> hey, little ratch, little ratch. Let's be clear, through the 70s, and you can say to now, do we understand as a collective of women, there were marriages where men identified folks dead as see their wives as the fourth, fifth child? Lord, Transparently. I, the way that I sometimes have heard my, my, the, the proud bravado that my dad says, that's my wife, is no different than that's my golf pleats trophy. It's a thing that can be controlled and used the way that you want to use it. Like, even when I hear people say, that's my, it's a way that you say that that'll make my skin crawl because it's the, and it's not limited to the 70s, but let's think about it. You know, people were slaving, getting beat by the master and then raped and pillaged by the master and then coming home and still getting left over, right? People passing out anger. If master beat you, you go home, beat your wife or whomever you're dealing with, and then the kids get beat. We still have some semblance of that, even from the 1970s, 80s now. We still got mothers who are boomers. Mothers, aunts, cousins, friends who are boomers who even though they were coming into their independence and working and doing their own thing and they got their own mind, they got to pull more of that in theory into us, Gen Xers and Millennials and now Gen Ys and Zs than they actually got to live. Like I watched my mom live in incongruence. Like she's strong, she's tough, but yet she's got A husband that's bipolar, untreated, undiagnosed, and a whole lot of other stuff. And that just just knocks all that stuff out. Yes.
1: It it does something to you. It does something to what I believe is your natural femininity.
0: It makes you tough because I watched my mom be stoic. And going back to that breathing, I used to think my mama taught me fear and stoicism. She did because that's how she coped. But what she really did was she was shoving, she was repressing herself. The word is repressed. My mom is so repressed. I noticed it the last time I was home. I love her to death. And I knew she was excited, but I watched her just void of, you know, there was a moment and I was like, you know what? That's her. She chooses. Mm -mm, I don't want that. I will not walk around here without my job. I will not walk around. You know, that was my internal dialogue with myself. And then, you know, it was more of a sadness. of I don't want that life. I don't want to live a life where I can't have joy and peace. But then when I really get, you know, unfortunately, some serious bad stuff happened with that holiday. Um, And recently I had to take another step back and be like, would you have joy? Well, you don't know when the next time it's going to get knocked out of your body. Why would you waste time trying to feel feelings if you know that you can't get to hold on to them long? Like at some point, this person may have turned the spigot off on those feelings because they don't even get to really hold them long before somebody come and steal them. You know, transparently, you know, I come from a family of... My grandfather, I didn't get to meet him, but both of my grandfathers were violent. One got killed. My dad's dad got killed when he was a young little boy because somebody was going to shoot him before they got shot. So he got eliminated. And then my mom's uh, father was an alcoholic and violent and abusive in their household. Right. So it's like I'm watching a woman who never got a break. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then we're like going to school 80s last kid kid going to school i'm learning what what's verbal abuse what's emotional abuse use your voice use it but then you're going home and then having to unlearn it right because what i learned in school ain't gonna help me when i go home and so what you know what i'm learning in my therapy is one how to learn how to like i gotta play pretend with feelings not because I can't identify feelings. One, I can identify the negative ones a lot easier because that's just, again, I know I'm sharing in the universe. I promise I'm good. I got support systems. Don't worry about me. Use this for you and your folks. Um, I promise I would never share if I'm not good enough in a place to share. But like I'm learning like we can be talking, you know, we know about, oh, she incongruent. She talking about she's sad, but she's smiling. Because that's a coping mechanism. Like there was a moment I went off screen, my therapist had triggered the hell out of me. And I went off screen in this last therapy. She said, "Creda, wouldn't you learn how to protect yourself like that? She said, you literally learned how to react before you reacted. She said, you went off screen because you knew your response was about to be higher than what you wanted it to be. She said, that is several steps before an emotional response. How did you learn that? And it's a conversation on conditioning. Hmm. Think about all that layer of conditioning. And so when we say we can't feel, even in this same session I had with my therapist, she was like, you know, what are you taking away? And I said, I'm taking away the fact that I realized almost this whole session, like I've been watching myself, like when I say watching, observing myself, feeling myself breathe, I've been holding my stomach like I'm about to sing notes with my diaphragm almost this whole entire session. I said, I didn't know I was that vigilant. Mm. How many of us women, Black women, Brown women, Indigenous, Latin, Asian, wherever you from, how many of us are walking through life holding breath for all the letdowns, for all the incongruence, for all the invalidation, for all the dismissals, for all the overlooks, for all the underpaids, for all the mistreatments, for all the narcissisms, we're walking around barely breathing so that we could be ready like Muhammad Ali in the ring or Layla Ali for the next punch. We got to start talking to people. But well, I'm not here today to make y'all go to counseling, but do a body hey, If That's what you need.
1: That's what you need.
0: Hey, and that's what the hood feminism was about. I'll be the first person to tell somebody I'm not a feminist. But what I realized was I was just rejecting white feminism. I'm not afraid of white men. I'm not hey, a white hey. woman having issues with white men. White men get along. We're on the same page. I was taught to compete with white men. So me, no, I'm not afraid of you. You put your pants on like I do. And half the time I'm seeing through your scams and matrices anyway. So we good, good. I don't need the white feminism because a lot of that stuff is performative anyway. I've watched so many white feminists who are rah-rah rah rah, bring people into my profession at the lowest possible pay grade. But I thought you was a feminist. Look, one day, one day in this lifetime.
1: We are going to drop the word feminist and talk about womanist when we are talking about Black women's feminism.
0: And that's really what it is, because that's what I learned from my friends who've done more research. It's womanist. I'm about the issues and needs and the well-being and the and the and the advancement of women. Period, especially women of color, Black women explicitly. It's womanist.
1: That's it, and it's like that's why, like people. If you're listening, Google womanism, please. So you can stop telling people you, you're not a feminist because at the end of the day, you likely are. You got a bank account. You got a degree. You are a feminist. Please just stop letting these white women and people who hate men. And and first off, let's act like they don't have reason to hate men, but stop, stop letting it discourage you. Like,
0: yeah. And it's okay if you don't want to subscribe to titles and theories, and that's fine. But I think if you are tuning into this, it's because my platform is about edifying women of color and connecting us to resources and health and giving us a platform to talk about things the way we need to talk about them, not the way that mainstream sees them or the way that you know a magazine article tells you that it is. So even if you are listening in, I know that you are here for the work. Because that's what this platform is about. And so I think it's growing into comfort. You don't have to label yourself. You, you don't have to. Don't need you labels. To, let's
1: be real. Let's be real, though. That part.
0: Get the information, though. Get the access, though. Don't deny something. Because I I, I I, know I have been one in, in my younger days um, who would deny something just out of it's no different than when I hear, and I know this is going to get me right here, when people, oh, my God, socialism. Okay, define it. Tell me about it. What is it rooted in? How does they it exist? Look, it's the
1: difference between thought and action. There's That's where the incongruence lies. That's. It's the difference between thought and action. It's the difference between theory and practice. They... Some people don't understand the theory, but they're doing the practice. They They don't want to be associated with the negative connotations, but they are still participating in the practice.
0: That, because the stigma, nobody, okay, breath, not the same thing. When people talk about socialism, they think about, the Cold War, they think about Russia. They think about Fidel Castro. They think about McCarthyism. So get past all those moments with extreme examples of those. Have you looked at Marxism? Have you looked at go back to your economics one and two classes that you took if you are a business major. You learned about um, socialism there that was the first time I heard about socialism outside of McCarthyism was in a business class because I had to take business finance, I had to take business economics, I had to take intro to micro and macro economics. It has to do with money, it has to do with the care of others. So, some of y'all are saying well, I'm anti socialism, but you still weren't volunteering, I can't tell. Learn your theory to practice. Same thing with womanism and feminism. I don't agree with that. I won't. I can't tell because your actions say that you align with it. You haven't My done husband your homework. Have a
1: husband. Girl, you can still have a husband,
0: sis. Right. Ain't nobody telling you to deny, be anti-people or anti-government or anti um. You can care about other human beings and be other centered and still want to make money. Just like you can care about women's needs and women's rights and justice and equitable treatment in multiple areas of society and still have loving relationships with men. Things don't have to be mutually exclusive. That's just people who can't chew gum and walk. And It's a lot of
1: that happening. And that's why I really I strongly encourage. I think feminism is like a really great introduction to feminism for people who have not ever read any type of other books on feminism like any first off i think black authors are great books on feminism but if you haven't read any type of book on feminism i think this is a great book on feminism because it frames feminism not from a women's rights type of point of view but from a basic needs point of view and it focuses on the things that revolve the different laws and policies Not laws and policies explicitly, but things that impact the food insecurity and access to education and safe Mm -hmm. neighborhoods and medical care, freeing from a a feminine feminine issue. So when you can look at it that way, you can't picture them. I don't think you can move forward after reading this book and say that I'm not a feminist. Right. Because food insecurity. That's a human need. You know, access to health care is a human need, quality education, a safe neighborhood, working uh, or livable wage. Those are human needs. So when you think about how those things impact women differently, you just cannot walk away from this book and say that I don't believe in feminism, I don't subscribe to feminism, whatever. You can't continue to say that, well, I believe that women should have access to health care, but I'm not a feminist. You can't keep talking like that. You are going to have to marry the thought to the practice and people have to be bold in that and I think that you got to think about what are you willing to sacrifice or what are you not willing to sacrifice and for a lot of people it is that that reputation or that connection or relationship with men but let me tell you I'm still getting late sweetheart I I still got people ringing my line I'm still going out on dates (laughs) like because your proximity to feminism it's not going to change your dating eligibility. In fact, it's going to improve the candidates that you date. Um cuz I like even with femininity, when I am like reading and learning and watching and listening to people, once people say that they are not a feminist, I log out. I can't listen to you anymore because you haven't understood your role as a woman in this life, not a role, I hate that, but you haven't understood the power that you have in this life, number one. To have a platform, however you're communicating this stuff, and you more than likely are being feminine to try to use it as a a respectability type of thing. Mm. When I hear women say, when I hear women who are like teaching or talking about femininity, say that they are not a feminist You are more than likely teaching from a a respectability politic point of view.
0: Can you you expand on what you mean by respectability politics?
1: It's just kind of like, be this goody two shoes, be this way, so a man will marry you, so a man will respect you, so society respects you, so that you can get ahead in this way. But if you're being a feminist, they always cast femininity against feminists as if feminists are brash and harsh and rough around the edges and all of these different things. And that's why you shouldn't be like that. When in reality, there are plenty of people who are feminists who are also very feminine and both can exist it's not mutually exclusive like they can coexist together and again as i said you can marry the thought and the practice of understanding feminism as a basic human right and basic needs being met for women and also marry the thought and practice of femininity as well so it's kind of like when I think about it from respectability politics, granted, a lot of us have been living in survival mode in general, Mm -hmm. just as the women, just as black women, just as displaced people. I understand that. So when someone wants to use femininity to continue to survive, I understand that. But no one has ever What's the word? Respectability has never saved anyone or stopped anyone from being killed. It hasn't stopped anyone from being assaulted or anything like that. Feminity works the same way because you're black. And sometimes because you're female in certain cases. It's not a respectability that's going to save you or respectability politics is going to save you. It's the racism that needs to be changed. It's the sexism that needs to be changed so being more feminine doesn't help or not being feminist is not going to like help you so that's my thing with it so when people say things like that it's just kind of like no i don't really subscribe to that because you just you have so many women who were world leaders for like better word better words who are so poised and all these other things who were also feminists, who understood the value in these things,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and you know, I just, I just, I can't, I just can't. It's just, it it never works out. Respectability has just, it will never, it never works out. I refuse to subscribe to that, and I'm just surprised that people are still pushing that rhetoric.
0: And I think some of it may tie into the, do you even know yourself um, frame as we get ready to learn more about your consulting. Um, Part of me, when I see people dabbling in respectability politics, for those looking for more um, context, when I think about respectability, I think of that idea of how you're trying to gain respect. So when there were riots summer 2020, you heard some leaders in the black community were focused on buildings and 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 law and things like that. But those same laws allow for officers to over respond in riot gear. Some officers even beat protesters who weren't even doing things that were violent, that were peaceful, that weren't bothering people, right? But they didn't have that same passion and let's call in our community, um, towards some of that abuse the way that they did to swoop in and tell people we need to be dignified and protecting buildings. And I remember, I think it was Jesse Jackson and John Lewis, versus soul, that when some of that was happening, th- those are the two civil rights um, legends leaders that were saying, I understand why our people are mad. I understand where the young folks are at. I understand why you can't quite hear that. And it was surprising because it was some of us younger folks that probably Gen X and and hovering around that age um, who were saying quite the opposite. That respectability is this idea of if you do A, B, and C, you're going to get a pass or you're going to be seen as a token of respect um, in context to some of your identities, to me, it's probably something that stems way back from us trying to pass and be accepted in the early thralls of white supremacy, like I'm thinking slavery times. I'm so thinking when were we reconstruction. Ever accepted
1: though that's the thing.
0: Well, but see, as I was saying, if you are aware of how you navigate in space, how can you stop? I can't ask somebody who ain't never been authentic a day in their life. If you don't even know you walking around holding stuff in and you ain't feeling stuff, it wouldn't shock me if the same person was walking around dabbling in respectability politics. You kind of have to have those knee jerk um, moments of life where you kind of crash into something and that, this is my opinion. That's when I've had to come out of like clouds and stuff. Like I'm I'm pretty sure my early business self, I've always been this version of Coretta, but I'm pretty sure I probably did some respectability things like when I was first in corporate 22 trying to make it. Now, as I got closer to 26 and 28 and I could see through the matrix if I wasn't feeling certain things. Yeah. No, throw that stuff out of the window. Like I'm not going to do these extra two steps so that you can applause me and, and so that I can, you know, feel like that, you know, I got a pass from you or I'm deemed a certain way because I was coming into my own and I just really wasn't trying to assimilate anymore. But that was me coming into my own identity. My fear is there's plenty of people who never self-reflect, let alone go introspective to even know, like, do you even know that you kind of kick off a respectability vibe? Like, I'm looking at some of the people that are in communities I live in and, or don't live in. Do you even know that's what you're doing?
1: They ain't had a reality check yet.
0: That's Like, have you even looked in them? Like, did you watch the playback of yourself? Like, before the press ate you up, <laughs> did you? I'm just saying, before the press ate you for lunch, did you see what you did? And yeah, a lot of them true. people, they so used to come. But think about it. You know, we also have to admit, Chelsea, some of that is us overcompensating. It's us doing that. It's us trying to, oh, no, let's supervise this. Let's, uh-uh, we don't want no trouble. We don't, hey. Be, be- that,
1: That,
0: that. Um, so I say, I want to say is and or or but. I think it's both. I think it's two ands. I think it's a double end. I think there's some folks who know they're being respectable because that's being lauded and approved by Maine society. Um, I mean, think about the book effort. And then I'm going to turn it over to your consultant bank. Think about the book effort that I was a part of the table. You were one of the first people that, you know, connected with some of us authors on that. There were so many people, Chelsea, that could have supported us. They were too busy. There was such a movement and a group of people who were focused on writing a more polished, respectable, research-based Baby, we are the research. These are the narratives. We're trying to stop people from coming into the field thinking that they're crazy, thinking that they're imagining things. Well, no, this is just white supremacy at play. And if you're not careful, you'll be out here with PTSD, um, with one marble spinning around your brain and about to, like, you know, tap out of life because you don't understand the different parts of the system that you're bumping up against when you're working inside the system. But the same,
1: that book did numbers for me.
0: listen, because we told the truth and we didn't hold back. We didn't air nobody out, but we spoke truth to life. But in the same breath, there was communities of people in our field who could have helped us. Even if you didn't buy the book, you could have helped us promote it and intentionally silenced the book, didn't promote it, didn't connect with it, came out with your own version. And that let me know, because when I saw the alternative version come out, and kudos to them. I know some of the people who are joining office on that. I don't think that was done out of malice. There's a version for everybody. For some people, they want the, the, the news at eight. For some people, I want to go to the barbershop and get the news. For some people, I need to hear a dignified or dignitary person talk. For some other people, let me go sit on my Auntie Stoop and listen and, and, and hear what's happening in the streets. It's different strokes for different folks, but... I think the respectability, what we got to remember, all it does is try to silence. That's what's not respectable. It tries to silence in order to perform. That's what we got to get careful with. Um, And thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting. We're running out of a little bit of time here, so I definitely want to give you time to tell us about your consulting. Well, Water Coaching. Who is that for, and what can they expect from you um, when they hit you up, Chelsea?
1: So, well-watered coaching is for millennial black women who want to maximize their potential or just tap their potential. You know how you have like a jar of honey, but it ain't coming out, Mm. or a bottle of honey, and like you guys will run it over water, you got to turn it upside down poke holes in
0: the cap to try to get it to come out. Mm
1: -hmm. You're just full of potential, but it's so many things stopping you. Some things known and some unknown and sometimes it's habits, sometimes it's people, sometimes it's decision-making, sometimes it may be some mental health. Like it's so many things that is stopping us, limiting our potential. And we just need accountability coaching. Sometimes we need some.